Good morning, church. How you guys doing this nice, bright, sunny day? You guys ready to stand and worship the Lord with us? (laughs) 
All right, so as I, you probably know, Jack had surgery on over the Thursday. He's doing well, right, Mom? Yeah? He's not whining? Huh? The drain, like in the brain, or which one? Shoulder? All right. All right. All right, now I know Jack's watching online, so hi, Jack. You know, we'll send you some virtual chicken soup. Rice. <laughs> so Sunday again. I mean, I just feel like you know weeks go by so quickly. What did you guys do this week? Anything cool? I mean, Emmaus. A different Emmaus. A different. You said Emmaus. What'd you say? Oh, women's Emmaus. Okay. I thought you said cut grass, or I mean, it's hard. To, so I did that too. <laughs> so. What's up, Coop? You ready to play some more? You gonna come up here and join me on the piano one of these days? Just so I can play guitar? <laughs> Something cool. <laughs> Coop's awesome. So, and yesterday I saw his sister, and she played uh, Maleficent. <laughs> so, you guys, you guys really gotta go see like these shows. I mean, these girls work so hard. That's the cool thing about this this, this church is that we're part of the Cecil Dance Center, and I watch some of these girls grow up and become these awesome dancers and and. and just amazing young women, you know. I mean, I just, just I want you guys to think about, you know, when you see like these shows come on for like Cecil Dance Center, go support the arts, support your community, and you know, you know people a lot better. I mean, I was just I was just blown away yesterday, you know, between between your daughter and the Boardleys and all these girls I've seen grow up, man, they're just they're just amazing, you know, beautiful girls. Um, so, amen to that, you know. I mean, just just these children are just amazing. Um, so this week I went to. Uh, I went to an evangelical church, in the, and, I, and I looked at the uh, church directory, and I looked at the, um, the, the choir director, because I knew I know her. And then I looked at the, uh, the music director, and he had all these degrees. He had like a doctorate in this, and you know, all these credentials and things he did, and his wife was a doctorate in music. I was like, wow, man, I'm really underqualified. You know, I have no credentials. <laughs> you guys are being led by a novice. I mean, I don't know anything about worship, you know, but it's, no, I, I really do. But, but, you know, I mean, I didn't even interview this job. So, um, <laughs> so I said, well, I said, well, what's, I said, what's Tomlin's credentials? I mean, this guy is like one of the top worship leaders in the world, right? You know, so nothing. Tomlin, Tomlin went, to, went, to, went to college for physical therapy. Can you imagine that if he, if he decided to go that route and be a physical therapist? He'd be like, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great. That'd be awesome. Maybe have Tomlin do like therapy on you in heaven, right? So I'm a good company, right? I got Tomlin. He's a, he's a physical therapist. I'm, a, I'm an IT guy, so I was just called to do this for you guys. So the only reason I do this is for, is for the community of Christ. I don't really do this for me. You know, the only reason I do this is, is, to, is to hear you guys singing with me. We all sing together in, in, in the word of Christ. So I think we ought to pray together. I'm going to have Michelle pray because Michelle is an awesome prayer. She's incredible. I, I, I love hearing what she says. You know, I probably, I probably just messed her up right now by saying that, but she just, she has a real heart for, you know, and then I get all tongue-tied, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a great speaker. That's why I'm not doing a sermon today. Debbie is. Amen. Right, Debbie? Raise your hand. <laughs> She's feeling that love right now. So, all right, let's, let's pray, Michelle. Okay. 
Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to gather together and to lift you up and worship your name. And we ask that every heart here would just feel your presence, be flooded with your presence, and feel free to lift their hands and to sing praise to you as you wrap your presence around us. We pray for Debbie this morning too, Lord, that she would just uh, eat, let the words that come out of her mouth be totally from you, be anointed. Anoint this praise team this morning and, and every heart here. We praise you, Jesus. We love you. We glorify your name this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, we're going to do a new song this morning. Let's k- kick it in. Talk about going home.
got great.
Good morning, everyone. All right, we have just a few announcements. Um, first of all, welcome to all of our visitors. If you did not get a free gift, there's a gift out there for you. Um, you can get that after the service. If you would like to become a member of Haven, we will be having Haven 101 in the next two weeks. Or if you just want to learn more about our church, um, sign ups out in the lobby. Um, we are in the middle of our Hope Rising Bible study. We're on week four. There's two weeks left. If you haven't joined and you'd like to join, you're more than welcome. Um, we also, in two weeks, are having, um, I'm sorry, yeah, two weeks, May 19th through the 20th, a youth lock-in. They are doing a service project during that lock-in, and they're um, fighting hunger. And there's a brochure or flyer in your bulletin about how you can get involved with that and you can help them. Um, summer vacation, summer um, VBS, Vacation Bible School, we have set the date. It's June 19th through the 23rd. Sign-ups are now out in the lobby. Um, it's Our theme this year is Make Fun Factory, so um, tell your children, bring your children. It's grades um, kindergarten through eighth grade, and have them come participate. Um, is God calling you to serve? Haven is having a mission trip this summer to Haiti. And we are having a team meeting after church today. If you haven't gotten information about this and you'd like, you're not sure you want to come, but you'd like to get some more information, join us after church today where we'll be talking about it. And we want to um, just let you know the Community Kitchen, we held that Friday in partnership with the Elkton Community Kitchen. We were able to serve 101 warm meals and if you remember Friday, it was a rainy, dreary day. Um, so 50 people were served those meals. Also, just a reminder that Paris Foundation is coming up on May 21st. Okay, so prayer request. Um, Joanna Shea has asked for prayers for Donnie and Jackie for his full recovery while in rehab. Sonia Wilcox asked for prayers for a friend's mother who was in a car accident and injured her back. Um, Mike and Rebecca Stecker asked for Billy Conrad, who's been diagnosed with, with leukemia. The Steckers also asked for prayers for Wendy Forrest. Her husband passed away last year. And Art Rowland, he's going into the hospital for two procedures and... Um, Prayers for a Delaware State Trooper. Any other prayer request? Oh. Okay, so there was an accident on the way home from prom with five um, youth in it. So fortunately, all of them are okay, but let's keep them in our prayers. Any other prayer requests? Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so her son's grandfather had a heart attack last week. Any other prayer requests? Any praises? Yep. Okay, so Becca is leaving May 31st for two, for two weeks in Kenya, Africa. So let's keep her in our prayers as well. And let's remember to keep Jack in, his, in our prayers. Um, I know he's, he told me last night his prayer or his um, pain ball goes away today. So he's a little nervous about that. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And dear precious Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here today. And thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to share our needs before you. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God who loves us and cares for us and cares about each and every need that we have. We just pray, Lord, for all these needs, that the people who are ill, the people who are going through procedures, and those who are recovering, that you would lay your mighty healing hands upon them and restore them, Lord. We pray that you'll just keep all of the youth safe as we enter into this time of celebration as many prepare to graduate, that you would just guide them, keep them safe, and let them know that you're always with them. We pray for Jack that you'll be with him as he continues his recovery. We pray for your anointing upon this church and each person in it, that you'll guide us, direct us, and help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you've been trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, or say that he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know that just ain't right. There's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, Somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, 
If you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you have pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain Good morning. Today's scripture is Genesis 45, 4 through 8. This is from the New International Version. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. A number of years ago, my family and I came back to Southern California for a job opportunity, and it wasn't much more than a year later when I lost the job, and it was pretty devastating to me. It felt like a train wreck because it was actually in a job that I thought I was good in, and I was devastated, and I thought, God, what are you doing? I, I don't understand this at all. I was headed towards the path of destruction. Uh, I was far away from God, and I allowed myself to be my God. Several years ago, I ended up losing three jobs in 18 months. And I started questioning, God, what's, what's going on? What are you trying to teach me? Um, the first time I was fairly strong and I was, and I was trusting God. The second time, uh, it was probably the lowest time in my life spiritually. Later, I was reading in the story of Joseph where he didn't seem to do anything wrong and he ended up in prison and spent a, lo a long time there and finally uh, God worked it out in his life where he was brought out and he became the Prime Minister of Egypt. I fell hard and lost financial freedom, uh, lost my family, lost uh, the dream that uh, I had for myself. And that's because I was following the path that I wanted to follow the plan that I wanted for my life. I went through those times and, and I realized that God still is in control. Um, even, when, even when I had turned my back on him at one point, he hadn't turned his back on me. And, and my wife and I were able to pray through it, to, to work through it, and, and things turned out in an incredible way for the good. And the Hope Rising 
was that even through this job loss, God was leading me to an even better job in a place that I really like and my family's happy. And God reached down and lifted me up. And he poured into me his grace and his love just overwhelmed me. But he knew, he knew what he had planned for me and what he had prepared me to do, to serve him and to serve his people, to expand his kingdom here on earth. And I will be eternally grateful for what he has done for me in my life. Hope is rising when you stop focusing on yourself and your situation, and you stop focusing on God who's in control of that situation. I've seen in my life many situations turn around when I stopped looking at myself, when I stopped complaining about my situation, and when I said, okay, God, you're in control, I'm gonna trust you. Good morning. All right, so we're in the fourth week of our series, Hope Rising. We started on Easter um, with an overview. Week two, we looked at when life doesn't go the way we've planned. Week three, we looked at when the speed of life is out of control. And today we're going to look at what happens when you're not happy with the hand you've been dealt. As we look at the hand we've been dealt, we're going to study and unpack the story of Joseph found in the book of Genesis. Before we look at Joseph's life and see how he found hope in the midst of disappointment, let me show you one of my favorite disappointment videos. Food. You know, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I went to the fridge and I opened up the meat drawer. You know what the meat drawer is, right? Yeah. What was in there? Well, I'll tell you what was in there. You know that bacon that's like maple? Got maple flavor. The maple kind, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I took that out and I thought, yeah. I know who would like that. Me. So I ate it. Oh no. You kidding me. Nope. Not kidding. You know, I also noticed there was some beef in there. Yeah, you know. Steak, you know, juicy. Well I ate that too. <laughs> but I went back to the fridge just a few minutes ago, and I put something together really special. You're going to love this one. I took some chicken. Yeah. I put some, yeah, I yeah. put some cheese on it, and I covered it with... Covered it with what? I covered it with cat treats. Yeah. Then guess what? What? I gave it to the cat. <laughs> I think sometimes we're all like that dog. We anxiously wait, and we hope only to be disappointed. So let's talk about that this morning. We're all dealt a hand of cards, and life does that to us. We can't blame God for our cards. God didn't create us to live in a world full of sin and pain. Adam and Eve did that. But what I do believe is that God has a purpose for each of us, and he'll use the cards that he's given us. Sometimes we get good cards, and sometimes we get bad cards. As much as we'd like to change the cards we've been dealt, we often can't, but we can change the way we respond to them, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Sometimes we receive cards that are not fair, cards that we don't deserve. 
Let me tell you a story. Um, when my husband and I were married and we had two wonderful little boys, and one day he came to me and he said, you know what, I'm not feeling good. And so I did some research and I looked at him and I said, you know what, I think, I think you better go to the doctor sooner rather than later. So he went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you need to go see a nephrologist. And a nephrologist is a kidney specialist. So he went to see the kidney specialist. And what the kidney specialist said, well, we need to do some more tests and that sort of thing. And they did those tests and they found out that he only had one kidney. Now, if you're born with just one kidney, normally it would grow to be about this big to accommodate your body and to, you know, function. But his didn't. For some reason, his was actually shriveled up. So the doctor said, well, essentially, you're going into kidney failure and you're going to need a transplant. He said, but here's what we can do. We can give you these medicines, and if you do everything we tell you to do, you're going to last probably 20, 25, maybe 30 years before you need a transplant. So we went home, and, and he did what he was supposed to do, but he was also in the Air National Guard. And as part of his tour of duty with the Air National Guard, he went to Saudi Arabia. While he was in Saudi Arabia, he came back, and he was very, very sick. He had developed salmonella, and essentially that forced his kidney into total shutdown. So the doctors spent a lot of time trying to get that kidney restarted, but they were never able to get it fully back to where it was. And so what we thought was 25 or 30 years away suddenly was just a year or so away. And... There was a lot of questioning, a lot of, God, why? I don't deserve this. We've been good people. We go to church, and we love you, and why, why does this happen to us? Well, the doctors told him that if he had somebody who was a live donor, it would be much more successful. He said, basically, do you want a Cadillac donor, or do you want an old beat-up Ford? And he, he likened an old beat-up Ford to somebody who was 70, 80 years old, and he said, you want somebody who's young and vibrant. So we started looking, and my husband did have a family member who came forward and said, I feel like God's telling us to do this, and I'm going to give you the kidney. Great. We're on, we're on a good path. And for four weeks, we were. But then, after four weeks, um, he started going into rejection, and rejection for someone who has a, a, any kind of transplant basically means that the body is saying, no, get out, you're a foreign object. So he, um, we went to the hospital, we went to Hopkins, and they did a lot of tests, and they said, okay, you're in rejection. And he was hospitalized for two weeks, where they gave him this drug called OKT3. Now... If you know anything about drugs, you know that the really strong ones and the ones that nobody wants to mess with are the ones they just give initials to. So he was given that drug, 
and they actually had to monitor his vitals every 15 minutes. So during that time, it, it became really difficult because he was saying, why me? I don't deserve this. I've done things right. Why, am I, why is this happening to me? And finally, he came out of rejection. We went home. Life was good. But what we didn't know is that that drug causes cancer in 1% of the population. And guess what? My husband was that 1%. So six, six months after um, he had the rejection, he developed cancer. And we went back and we had lots of tests and that sort of thing again. And then he went through um, chemo and all of those sorts of things. But throughout the midst of all of that, he, we always had that question, why me? Why? We're doing things right. Why, God? And there is no answer. Sometimes we just get things that we don't deserve. And that's what we're going to see, that it's the case with all of us, and it was the case with Joseph. Some of us get the disappointment card. Actually, all of us do. If you've never received the disappointment card, it's because you're probably two years old. And many times, some of the other cards that we're dealt lead to disappointment. For some, it may be a result of dysfunction. And maybe you thought that your family has a lot of dysfunction. But let's take a look at the dysfunction in Joseph's family. First of all, Joseph's father was Jacob. And Jacob went to live with his uncle, and he fell in love with Rachel. So the dysfunction begins because Rachel was actually his cousin. Now there were two sisters, Rachel and Leah. And Jacob fell in love with Rachel and not Leah. Genesis 29:17 tells us that Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Now we don't know if Leah had poor vision or she was cross-eyed or what, but the Bible writers are telling us that there's a reason that Jacob fell in love with Rachel. So Jacob served for seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. So you can imagine, after working all this time, he was pretty excited to finally get married, right? And the time for the wedding came, but Jacob's father-in-law pulled a fast one on him, probably because he didn't think anyone was ever going to marry Leah. So remember, during that time, weddings were at night. Women wore veils, and there, were lots, there was lots of wine. And we don't know how it happened, but Jacob woke up in the morning to find that he had not married his beautiful Rachel, but instead he had married weak-eyed Leah. Now, Jacob really loved Rachel, so much so that he said, all right, I'll work seven more years to get her. So now Jacob has two wives and sister wives at that. So let's add to the dysfunction, sister wives who are infertile. So the sisters say, all right, we're going to fix this. We're going to give you our servants to marry. So now Jacob, who only loved one woman, had four wives. So today, this family would be the perfect family to end up on the Jerry Springer show, right? 
We have four wives, we have ten sons and one daughter, but no children from the love of his life, Rachel. Finally, Rachel had a baby, Joseph. And just look at the mess that Joseph was born into. He was born into a whole bit of dysfunction. Genesis 37.3 tells us, Now Israel, who was Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a robe for him. So now to this whole dysfunction, we're going to add bad parenting. Because as all parents know, it's never a good idea to show favoritism amongst your children. But that's what Jacob did when he made him that coat. Essentially, Jacob gave Joseph an iPad for Christmas, but gave the other kids Chia Pets. So Joseph didn't ask to be the favorite, but he probably flaunted it a bit. And we know that he was a tattletale on his brother's. So add to this fact that he kept having these dreams about his brothers bowing down to him, and there's a big problem, and the brothers decide to kill him. Clearly a family filled with dysfunction. But one of the brothers says, wait, let's not kill him. Let's sell him and we'll make some money. So Genesis 37.6 tells us that Joseph was sold to the Midianites who sold him to Potiphar in Egypt. And now Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's officials. He was the captain of the guard. In all reality, Potiphar was the Pharaoh's chief executioner. He was Dr. Death, the last guy you would want to own you. So now we have pampered little Joseph all by himself doing work for Dr. Death. Imagine how he's feeling. He goes from being a favored son with a beautiful coat to having his brothers turn on him and sell him into slavery, and now he's working for the executioner. Joseph has been dealt the rejection card. Have you ever received this card? Maybe you were rejected by your parents, or maybe at school you weren't accepted. Maybe at work you were told you're no longer needed. Or maybe a spouse said, I don't love you anymore. Bottom line, you were no longer wanted. And this situation stinks. But here's where we start to learn about dealing, <coughs> excuse me, with disappointment. Somehow Joseph made the best of a bad situation. Like our graphic for Hope Rising, Joseph began to bloom where he was planted. He didn't try to change where he was planted. He just grew. He learned the language, the culture, and he worked hard. As we go through Joseph's story, we see one phrase repeated over and over. The Lord was with Joseph. No matter how bad things were, the Lord was with him. Even when we don't feel like the Lord is with us, he still is. And like Joseph, if we know that God is in charge of the cards, it should change the way we play them. The truth is that God's with us in the good and the bad. And if I believe that God's in charge, and I believe that God's with me, I can change the entire, it can change the entire card game. So the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes, and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the house and entrusted everything in the house to him, the whole household. So now everything should get better, right? 
He's on a good path. Joseph didn't deserve the dysfunction card or the disappointment card or the rejection card. So things will be better since the Lord is with him, right? But wait, let's see what happens. Potiphar's wife gets the hots for Joseph. Now we can speculate that Mrs. Potiphar was probably very, very beautiful. But at that time, there was a low value on marriage. So she was probably really just a trophy wife. But she became infatuated with Joseph. Our Bibles today have the PG version of what she said to Joseph. She said, come to bed with me. In Hebrew, we know that her words were much more colorful. Now, Joseph has dealt the joker card. And the joker card is a wild card. You can play that any way you want, right? But Joseph finally has a chance. He can play this card any way he wants, and he can finally take the things into his own hands. Even though it seemed that God had forgotten him, now he has a chance. It didn't matter that Joseph was away from home. He had a chance. And he had a real temptation, like all of us do, to forget about God and do what we want to do. And that must have been what Joseph was thinking. All right, I can do this, and I am on easy street, right? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you've been dealt a crummy hand, and you're tired of doing things God's way and getting knocked down. You're tired of being disappointed. But God is with us in our disappointments. When we forget that God is with us or we feel frustrated by the disappointments we encounter, it's very, very tempting to leave God out of the game and take matters into our own hands. How many of us have ever done that? We've taken our wild card and we play our hand instead of remembering that God is in control. But leaving God out of the game is not how we act if we truly believe that the Spirit of God is on us and that God is ultimately in control. This belief should change how we play our cards. When Mrs. Potiphar gave Joseph an opportunity to play his wild card, he remembered that God was in charge of his cards, that the Spirit of God was on him. And if God was with Joseph, he'll be with us too. Now we know that Joseph, when he said no to Mrs. Potiphar, made her mad. She was a woman scorned. And as a result, she cried rape and had Joseph sent back to, or sent to prison. We might ask, well, where was God in all of this? Some of us have disappointment in our lives because of things we've done, things we've messed up. But Joseph did nothing to deserve this. He had been dealt the injustice card. You see, sometimes we get what we don't deserve. Maybe you can relate to the disappointment that comes with injustice. Joseph was sent to prison for 10 years for something he didn't do. But what did he do? He did exactly what anyone would do if they believed that God was ultimately in charge of the cards. He remembered that God was with him in the midst of his disappointments. So even in prison, Joseph is faithful to God, and the warden notices that something is different about him. While in prison, Joseph interpreted a dream for Pharaoh's cupbearer, and Joseph asked him to remember him when he got out of prison. 
but he sort of forgot once he got out. And two more years go by while Joseph waits. And then Pharaoh had a dream. Finally, the Pharaoh sends for Joseph. So you can imagine he'd been in jail, and he probably got up, got a shower, shaved, put on his clean clothes. He was ready to go meet Pharaoh. But what we need to remember here is that Joseph spent a lot of time waiting. He was in prison for a total of 10 years. And sometimes waiting for hope is painful. And sometimes it takes a really long time. So Pharaoh says to him when he gets there, listen, I had a dream. And no one can tell me what it means. But I've heard that you can tell me what my dream means. Finally, Joseph has this big chance, right? He says... The king of the world needs my help. What should he do? What could he do? But while you're thinking about this, remember, Pharaoh has the power to release Joseph. So so Joseph says, "Mm, I can't do it. At this point, we want to scream, no, don't say that. But he said, no, I can't do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. So after being in prison for all these years, for no reason at all, he literally had the royal flush of disappointment. Joseph has the power to change his entire hand. And what does he do? He brings up God to a guy who thinks he is God. But remember, God's ultimately in charge of the cards. God does honor Joseph. Joseph's request and helps him to interpret the dream. And then Joseph shares that with Pharaoh. Then we get a really cool statement made by a pagan king. Pharaoh asked of them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. Wouldn't it be cool for people to see the spirit of God living in each of us? What would our families, our businesses, our work, our school, our communities, what would they look like if we lived like we had the Spirit of God living in us? Why don't people see the Spirit of God in us? Maybe because we're not acting like the Spirit of God is upon us. So what's different between us and Joseph? Joseph actually lived like the Spirit of God was in him. If we continue reading the story of Joseph, we can see that As a result of this whole situation, Joseph was promoted to the Pharaoh's right hand, and he helped Egypt prepare for a famine that was coming. And as a result, there was enough food for the entire time of the famine, seven years. Then he was also reconciled with his family when they came to him for food. Through his faithfulness and remembering who held the cards that he had been dealt, Joseph was able to save the entire nation. And the scriptures that were read for us earlier, Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping, But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me, but God. And we know 
With all the adversity Joseph had been dealt, it would have been easy for him to jump ship on God. But through all the disappointments, he stuck with God. And because he did, the Lord blessed him. This story looks insane from the outside. Joseph was faithful with little, but he was later, we know, he was given great responsibilities. But from God's perspective, when you're disappointed, do you act like the Spirit of God is upon you? How about when you get the rejection card or the dysfunction card or you're tempted to play the wild card? Are you faithful with your deck no matter what? You will never get over your disappointments until you can learn to believe Romans 8, 28, which says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Ultimately, the negative things that we go through provide us with a positive testimony. The bad cards help us relate to people in ways that we would otherwise never be able to. Everything you go through, everything I go through, is for a much bigger purpose than us. Joseph was faithful as a slave. He was faithful in temptation and faithful in prison. So now God says, now you're ready for the really big stuff. We can look at our bad cards in hindsight and see how they have given us an opportunity for positive testimony. God didn't allow all those things in Joseph's life just so he could be a better person. He did it so Joseph got to be in a position of greater trust so that he literally could save the world from starvation. This is important because at some point in your life, if it hasn't already happened, people are going to hurt you. And sometimes it's going to be your own family. So remember to live your life like God is in control of the cards. It doesn't matter which card you've been dealt with. God is still with you. There's nowhere in the Bible that he promised us an easy life, but he promised us that he would always be with us. As we wrap up today, the ushers are going to bring around a card for each of you to keep somewhere where you can frequently see it. As a reminder that no matter what card you're dealt, God is with you. So live like the Spirit of God is upon you. And even if you get the Joker card and you have the wild card, know that God's still in control. And be very careful about how you use that wild card. Because sometimes it's not God's best for you. So at this point, let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Holy Jesus, thank you for your words. And thank you for giving us Joseph as an example that, Lord, we can look to and we can see that no matter how bad the cards are, that you're still with us and that you care about us and that you love us. And that ultimately, Lord, you're working out those cards. You're shuffling them and you're going to use them for your purpose and for our good. We just pray, Lord, there are people here who have been dealt some really crummy cards. We pray that, Lord, during this time that you would just show them, Jesus, how you are still with them. And even though they have these cards, that you will be with them. And sometimes, Lord, it takes a long time 
and we have to have hope for a long time. We just pray that, Jesus, you would open up our hearts and our minds. Let us see that you're with us. And that, Jesus, as we go throughout the week, even in the big situations, the little situations, no matter what card we have, you're with us. We just pray that you'll be with us as, as the Stephen ministers come forward. If, you've, if you feel like you've been dealt a really bad hand and you want someone to pray with you, they're here and the altars are open. We just pray that you'll be with us throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray.
your week, remember that no matter what cards you've been dealt, God's with you. And know that even when you're tempted to use that joker card, the wild card, he's still in control. We don't need to use the wild card to get us out of the difficult situations. God's got it. But sometimes it takes a long time for that hope to come. So we just need to be patient and wait and keep doing the right thing because God's got the hand. God's got our cards. So go this week and have a great week. And Jack will be back next week. Um, but know that God's got, God's got your hand all throughout the week, no matter what you encounter. Thank you. Just a face in the city, and just a tear on a crowded street.